Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods podcast. I'm your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to our podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, and I'm so glad that you've taken time to join us for today's show. We have a power-packed lineup in store for you today, and I'm just itching to push the plunger and get this party started. As you know, our show is in three segments, Cryptids in the News and History, where my brother Kevin is waiting in the eaves with some very interesting findings for us today. Followed by my reading today of the Red Buttes Beast account, which is going to knock the rungs off your grandma's rocking chair. And we will wrap things up with our listener mail segment, where we answer questions which have been sent in by listeners like you. Our webpage, BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com, is a location where there is a contact link. If you've seen something, say something. Or if you have any questions or topics of discussion, we invite you to chime in with us and be part of this show. Also, you can purchase my books in the store by following the links to Amazon, where they are available in paperback and ebook formats. I also have a surprise announcement today. After having heard from many people that I should record my books in audio form, I am just about to wrap up the first audio book, which will be volume six. Don't ask me why I started with six, but that's where I began and I will be announcing it right here when it's ready. And now, my brother Kevin. How are you, Kev? Hey, Bill. How's it going? Super duper. You know, before we get rolling here, I'm going to give a little shout-out to Grandpa Greg in Pearland, Texas. Yeehaw! <laughs> yeah, Grandpa Greg is a big fan of the books, and he sent me a couple of emails and photographs of his two grandsons fishing. One of them was hefting up in the air, a nice size largemouth bass. And Grandpa Greg told me he's been reading the stories to his two grandsons around the campfire, freaking them out a little bit. <laughs> now that's a grandpa. <laughs> Not afraid to scare the bejeebas out of the little guys a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, as we come out of the gate here, Kev, I was thinking about something, and I want to throw this question at you. You personally, I already know my own answer to this question, but you personally, you're out skiing, coming down the slopes in uh, Utah, up ahead of you, you see a Bigfoot in the trail, and he turns and looks at you and darts off into the woods. Do you tell a lot of people in your life? Do you tell a few people in your life, or do you tell nobody about your sighting? Oh, that's a great question. Um, you know, I I personally think I would tell a lot of people. Uh, you do? Uh, yeah, I do. I think if you're, well, and maybe it's just the setting. You know, you're skiing down a mountain. There's a lot of other people skiing down the mountain with you, uh, or at least enough that would see the hairy man as well. Um, so you wouldn't be the only one reporting it. So I, I would tell a lot of people about it. You know? Yeah, that's funny you say that, because uh, I should have prefaced the question with you're kind of sliding off to some side route where you're alone. I'm not. Yeah, then it's it's probably a few that okay. you know you tell tell the people that uh, that know you pretty well and know that you aren't crazy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that was the point I was making a while ago was that uh, I joked about how it wouldn't be a, a good career move necessarily to uh, be spouting off to everybody about seeing a, a nine foot tall hairy monster on the slope in the woods, but <laughs> but me. I'm telling you, I tell a lot of people because I just, I really don't care, you know. Uh, but I understand, though, uh, asking that question that there are people out there who have a lot of reservations, even knowing that what they saw was a reality. They just don't want to, they clam up. They don't want to uh, get into the fray, so to speak. 
That's fair. And I think after, you know, I can't say because I haven't seen one, but I would think that after you saw it, then you'd also probably try to rationalize away what it was other than a Bigfoot. And, you know, we've heard that in some of the accounts, right, that that uh, that we've heard and we've read about, et cetera, where folks, after they see, uh, you know, Bigfoot, then they start to rationalize maybe it was a deer, maybe it was a moose, maybe it was a bear, you know, or, or some other creature. But then, of course, they come back to the fact that, no, like you can't mistake uh, even a bear for, uh, you know, something that looks like a Bigfoot. Right, right. And if it was a deer, he had an incredible ability to stand in his hind legs and had hands <laughs> the size of catcher's mitts. <laughs> yeah, if you, mistook, if you mistook a deer for a Bigfoot, there might have been a lot of tequila involved, too. <laughs> yes, you, you've got other problems other than the uh, Bigfoot in your trail. Exactly. Well, so exactly. Uh, I know you've got something really cool lined up here. So uh, why don't you dive into uh, our uh, cryptids in the news and history segment? Absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So um, this week, uh, cryptids in the news, you know, I was inspired by a note that one of our listeners sent in last week that was asking about Bigfoot sightings down under in Australia. So, you know, went out, did a little bit of research on it. And, uh, you know, it turns out that there's a lot of activity related to uh, the sightings of the big hairy man down in Australia, or as like they like to call they like to call it Oz. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they, they have less a less descriptive name for their creature, but maybe their name refers to the feeling that you have when you cross paths with the beast. Oh, right. You know, <laughs> so down in Australia, they typically refer to Bigfoot as Yowie. Yowie. So kind of like, Yowie. <laughs> Reminds me of the, the old heck? Batman show, Yowie Kazowie, Batman. <laughs> exactly. You could see a big, uh, like, call out popping up with the jagged edges that says Yowie. <laughs> So, you know, if you haven't been to Australia, uh, you know, which is one of my favorite places in the world, it's not terribly shocking that there'd be potential for Bigfoot-like creatures to be present. You know, as Australia is vastly undeveloped, with 90-plus percent of the population living around the edges of this gigantic continent, and even around the edges, they're really concentrated in, you know, several cities uh, around the edge where most of the population lives. So, you know, it's not hard to believe that there would be some type of uh, beast like Bigfoot or Yowie, uh, uh, you know, hidden away in the, uh, in the brush. Yeah, and again, so, you know, this, yeah. this is uh, the whole point that we've been making and will continue to be making. And, and by the way, to our listeners, remember, whatever you know or don't know about Bigfoot, Bigfoot. There are millions of people out there who don't even know what we're talking about. So when we're speaking about these things, we're always going to be rehashing things that you may have heard or that uh, we may know. But keep in mind that there are people out there that we're trying to bring up to date with the many uh, fascinating aspects of these uh, creatures around the globe. I didn't mean to interrupt you, Kev. Go ahead. No, it's all good. It's all good. So it's interesting. Like uh, our own Native Americans in North America, Native Australians or Aborigines have a long history, uh, including strange tales of a large, hairy man-like creature that shared their land. So, you know, very similar to, again, the Native Americans in North America. And then in addition, when the early colonists arrived in Australia, they had their own run-ins with the beast and left their stories behind as well. Wow. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So many of the descriptions of Yowie are very similar to Bigfoot. However, some historians uh, uh, say that other descriptions of Yowie are tied back to the Aboriginal legends and what they call dream time. So apparently dream time is part of uh, their complex set of spiritual beliefs. And, you know, in those spiritual beliefs, you know, there seems to be different creatures with different sizes, different temperaments, and also going by many different names. 
you know, and, and candidly, you know, doing some research on this, it's quite easy to get completely confused if you start, you know, trying to map out the Aboriginal legends, not to mention the complexity of names. You know, Yowie could be the easiest one to pronounce uh, compared to some of the more typical Aboriginal names. Now, do they, do they have any, uh, uh, you know, what comes to mind to me is some of the cave drawings and paintings that we have in our own country, which depict uh, animals that were, in fact, and are, in fact, living even today. And some of those uh, old paintings uh, do include pictures that you could determine were a Bigfoot. I mean, if you're looking at cave drawings <clears throat> out in the uh, the plains or, or, or drawings on the side of these uh, rocky mazes or whatever you call them, you know, there are pictures there that show uh, something standing on two legs that is not a human being. And it's alongside of, you know, uh, you know, an elk or something that looks like a lion, probably a mountain lion. Do they have any drawings or artifacts of that nature over in uh, Australia? Yeah, I, I haven't seen a direct reference to drawings, but I would not be shocked because the uh, the presence of Yowie and the other uh, uh, similar creatures in the uh, Aboriginal uh, folklore, or Aboriginal history, you know, seems to be very rich. And uh, you know, getting back to the different incarnations, it's similar, I guess, to the uh, Native American medicine men. You know, when they spoke about some of the other, you know, creepy creatures, right? That that existed, but not always similar to Bigfoot, you know, although certainly there are some that are very similar to Bigfoot well, even, in their history. Even in that, you know, uh, we'll get into it down the road, but uh, for instance, they have these things they call shapeshifters. Exactly. This, exactly. this belief of these creatures being able to take the form of a, uh, a person, an animal, uh, kind of flipping in and out of uh, our reality and, and trying to dupe uh, the people on the planet. So, I mean, it's all rich in some really high strangeness. <laughs> That's a good way of describing it. So, you know, yeah. um, but it's it's a real rich history there. Again, it does get confusing when you um, mix together, you know, the the uh, the visions of what they call dream time. And then at, then the actual descriptions of Yowie, you know, which appears to be you know, separate from some of the things that are part of their religious beliefs. Now, have there been sightings? Are there any, uh, any, uh, you know, without getting into the accounts today, have people had sightings of the creature as we do Bigfoot? Yeah, yeah. I, I actually have a, a couple of couple of short descriptions here of sightings. But just like our own Bigfoot in North America, there's thousands of reported sightings in Australia. Wow. So, a lot of them. So, you know, maybe our, uh, our the individual, I think his name was Reggie, that sent in the mail, maybe he was new to Australia, you know, and hadn't heard about uh, uh, Yowie yet. But it seems like Yowie and uh, the sightings are uh, very strong. So, and most of the sightings appear to be in the, in the uh, uh, eastern side of the continent. And the Springbrook region in southeast Queensland, again on the east side, seems to have had more Yowie reports than anywhere else in Australia. And it's interesting, like, so there's a notable that uh, reported a sightings, and this goes back to 1977, uh, a former senator of Queensland, his name was Bill O'Chee, reported to the Gold Coast Bulletin he had seen a Yowie while on a school trip in Springbrook. Uh, Ochi compared the creature he saw to the character Chewbacca from Star Wars. Wow. So that's, yeah, pretty interesting. Yeah, right? and I mean, Chewbacca's a big sucker, boy. Exactly. Well, and getting to that, he said he told, or it says he told reporters that the creature he saw had been over three meters tall. Wow. So, you know, more than, more than nine feet tall, which that is a Chewbacca-like beast. You know, and here, um, here, here again is, you know, I hate to say somebody's credible or not credible because I tend to 
uh, uh, side with just about anybody when they're telling me something. I've got no reason to think they're full of hot air. Here's a guy that's a senator or whatever he is. You know, he's an elected official, and he's sticking his neck out saying he saw this Chebecca that could fill half the cockpit of a star blaster or whatever they fly around (laughs) in. (laughs) And he says he saw it. I mean, over three meters tall. That is one big-ass beast. Yeah, and he's a senator, and he's on a school trip, you know, so it's not like he's out in the middle of the night after walking home from a bar or something like that. Uh, You know, so it is, you know, it sounds very credible. Lots of lots of different sightings out there. And even in uh, March 2014, I read that uh, two Yowie researchers claimed to have filmed the Yowie in South Queensland uh, using an infrared tree camera, collected some fur samples and found uh, large footprints. But I I couldn't track down, uh, you know, any any uh, images yet in the research. If we do, we'll, we'll definitely come back to it at a later date. Yeah, definitely. So we've got more grist for the mill uh, going down the road. We'll be digging back into uh, the uh, Yowie Kazawi character and uh, seeing what... You know, and <laughs> I'm thinking of two things. I remember Reggie's letter from our last podcast. And, of course, yes, he could be new to Australia, but he could be also somebody that's living there and has no knowledge of it. Absolutely. And, you know, yeah, good point. last night I'm at work. Uh, I'm at my computer uh, console. And uh, occasionally we train people. And uh, a new nurse, uh, she's from India. Uh, I'd estimate her age as being, you know, 25 to 30. Uh, she walked up uh, on me about five, ten minutes before I was getting ready to go. And uh, she was going to be training with the overnight technician. So I was in the middle of something, kind of wrapping up uh, my gig for the day. And uh, I'm always opening up the topic of Bigfoot with people and uh, pumping the books and the podcast and everything. So here's this Indian lady. uh, And I start talking to her about Bigfoot. Now, so she's from India. Uh, I'm describing the Bigfoot to her and uh, the nature of the podcast and whatnot. She has no clue whatsoever what a Bigfoot is, where it comes from, et cetera, et cetera. And this is just another example of another human being on the planet. As much as we like to think that, you know, everybody's heard of Bigfoot, uh, I might as well have been talking about men from Mars, uh, I got up out of my chair and I was doing, you know, the Bigfoot strut and stuff. And she was, <laughs> she was laughing at me, you know, and I said, like, are you getting the picture? You know what I'm talking about now? And I started talking about the uh, the uh, Himalayan snowman and all of this stuff. And then she was kind of getting acquainted with where I was coming from. But it's, it's very funny and it's interesting, too. Yeah, it's cool stuff. You know what? Another one I definitely want to come back to in the future is when you read about Yowie in Australia, there's some really interesting uh, uh, views and research and writings about, you know, could it be related to what we call Bigfoot in North America? And it goes back to, you know, the we talked last week also about the Bering Sea land bridge and how, you know, uh, uh, creatures could have come across from Asia into uh, North America over the land bridge. But then there's uh, some some theories that say it's impossible for the Australian creature to be related to the Asian creature because, you know, in, again, in the minds of some of these researchers, it wasn't possible to make that journey from Asia down to Australia because yeah. uh, there was no land bridge. But, well, it's pretty interesting. We'll come back to, it, come back to that in a well, future listen, episode. Well, listen, you know, when you're three meters tall... Uh, And as wide as a barn door, you could be a hell of a swimmer. And really, think about this, Kev. How about the couple of people that have attempted to swim the Atlantic or stuff with accompaniment? I mean, we've had had some human beings that have swum vast distances. And uh, I'm not saying that's what, what happened, but... I wouldn't underestimate the potential for really anything having happened. 
Yeah, we'll have to see if the hairy man knows how to swim. Oh, yeah. I, I have a, I have accounts of this guy, you know, stroking it across lakes and uh, rivers and stuff. So, All right. All right. All right. So you want to uh, jump into the Red Buttes Beast account. Let's go. I'm ready. All right. Make sure your grandma gets out of the rocker. I don't want her to get hurt. <laughs> the following sighting was described to me by Mitchell Langley a resident of California. Here is what Mitchell saw while hiking with his wife. My wife Edna and I had started our hike from the Sad Valley and were working our way up north into the Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest, our destination being the Red Buttes Wilderness Area. Edna and I had been through this area many times and knew it probably as well as anyone on the planet. We had started early and made our way into what we refer to as the Red Zone by noon. We were sitting side by side on a log with our backs to a tree line facing a small field. We had been sitting quietly for about 20 minutes, taking our lunch break, when we heard something momentarily rustling behind us and off to our left in the trees. I had turned my head to look and saw nothing. My wife had done the same as we continued to eat. I don't mean to sound like hearing something rustling is any big deal, as there is so much wildlife in here, but every noise does and should get your attention when you're hiking. The two of us have stumbled across many a bear and even a cougar during our many hikes. A few minutes later, as I was pulling my nasal inhaler out of my pocket, we heard what sounded like a loud crack, followed by the sound of a tree dragging on the ground. At least, that's what I thought at the time. The two of us stood up from our seat on the log and turned to face the woods in the direction of the noise with the trees being maybe 75 feet at best in front of us. From the position we were in, you couldn't really see into the trees to our left or to our right-hand side, but there was a small opening directly in front of us. We continued to look and listen as this sound of something dragging seemed to be getting closer and louder. Suddenly, a Bigfoot appeared from behind the trees to our right, walking into this opening and dragging a small tree in its right hand. As soon as it had made its way past the barrier of trees and into the opening, it turned its face to look at us and dropped the tree that was in its hand. <clears throat> Turning to the right, it slowly started to walk towards the rear of the opening, retreating back into the woods. It craned its neck, looking back at us as it walked away before it completely disappeared from view. I don't think it was but five minutes after we had seen it that we moved forward to where it had dropped the tree. Edna and I stood there looking at it. It was dead, but considerably large to be dragging around. It must have been easily 30 feet long and was about six inches in diameter at the base. Why this creature was dragging this particular tree into where is anyone's guess? Our own thoughts being at the time that it couldn't have been planning to take it very far or else it would have grabbed another tree nearer to that location. It must have been going to or living somewhere in close proximity to where we were standing. I'm sure that this Bigfoot was surprised to see us as we was as surprised to see us as we were to see it. Perhaps even more so. I say this because we had a fair warning having heard it coming. To me, there was absolutely no fear exhibited by the beast when it saw us. Having seen the size of it, the reason why is more than evident. We had a more perfect view of it for some 30 seconds or more. When we walked over to look at the tree it had been dragging, there were several boughs that had been that we had watched it pass behind as it walked, all of which were in the neighborhood of eight to nine feet off the ground. This was one big mother. I can tell you that emphatically. 
It appeared to be almost jet black with some red highlights that were shining in the sunlight as it broke into the small clearing. From the side, it seemed to be about three feet thick from front to back, and its fingers on the left hand were hanging just below knee level. One of the oddities about it was that the head looked tiny for the body. Now, don't get me wrong, the musculature was immense in every sense of the word, but even at that, the head seemed relatively small. We couldn't really make out any muscular definition other than that everywhere you looked, the body seemed to be bulging outward, such as the chest and the back. It was quite obviously built strongly to the extreme. It was casually walking, holding this tree in one hand, that even dead had to have weighed at least a couple of hundred pounds or more. The other thing about the sighting, which I can't forget, is the leisurely way in which, after it had seen us, it walked away. There was absolutely absolutely no sense of fear or urgency on its part after having seen us. I guess it knows that it could tear us limb from limb if it had to. At any rate, that was the sighting of the Red Butte's beast, as we named him. Now, here's the interesting thing. I'm going to continue here, but if you read my book, I put a note in here which reads as follows. My dear readers, some six months after Mitchell was interviewed about the encounter at Red Butte's, I received a phone call from none other than Mitchell himself. It seems that Mitchell had a bit of an update which he wanted to share with me and you. And here is what Mitchell had to say. Now, I'm going to read this passage, but Mitchell went back, kind of having the itch uh, (laughs) to see a little bit more and investigate a little further. So here we go. (coughs) Excuse me. I guess you were surprised to hear from me again, but I just couldn't let a sleeping dog lie. I had been troubled since the day of the encounter as to what the Bigfoot was doing dragging the tree around in the woods, and had decided to go back into the area to do a little more investigating. My wife Edna wanted nothing to do with it, so I brought along my best friend Larry, who was more than interested after having heard about our encounter. The two of us made our way in exactly as my wife and I had on that day. I knew I was at the precise location of the last sighting because I had actually dropped and forgotten about my nasal inhaler only to find it lying next to the log where we had eaten our lunch. The first thing that we did was to step into the opening where we had seen the beast leave the tree, and the tree was gone. This immediately indicated to me that this Bigfoot was all business and had come back to finish what he had started after we left. Larry and I began to do a very methodical search, expanding outward at about 20 yards at a time, working our way into the woods where the creature was heading. Our hope was to discover what the tree was being taken for without ending up dead in the process. By the way, we had both brought our handguns with us on this trip. I guess it was about two hours into this grid search that we ran across a teepee-like structure made of trees in the woods. There must have been well over 50 trees set to lean against some horizontal branches of one large living tree. As we walked around this structure, if you can believe it, I actually remembered and recognized the bark pattern on the one that he had dropped and saw it within this structure. As we stood there examining this phenomenon, Larry said that he thought he saw something dark out of the corner of his eye, and he pointed in the direction he wanted me to look. Neither of us could see anything, but he was certain that he had seen some dark color move in and through a small opening in the branches. Now, Larry is a very able and experienced woodsman. If he says he saw something, he most definitely did. Dark color in these parts means bare, and perhaps during this venture, a Bigfoot. Needless to say, you don't start wandering around looking for either without, uh, without a gun. 
Well, we had a lot to talk about and began our hike back out. We must have hiked two miles or more, bullshitting the whole time about what we had just seen and what my wife and I had seen previously. And I could tell that Larry had caught the bug just as I had. There is something quite extraordinary that happens to a man or a woman when you see one of these creatures. Speaking for myself, it's now like I can't let it go. I want to know more, and I want to see more. <clears throat> Anyways, so we are hiking about two miles outbound from the structure when unexpectedly a large and voluminous howl starts emanating from the woods coming directly from where we had been. We both turned to listen, and it must have went on for almost 20 seconds before it stopped. It was louder than the blast of a cruise ship's horn, and it made our hair stand on end. I said to Larry that the Bigfoot must have been giving us a farewell salute. There was absolutely nothing else in this region that the sound could have been coming from. What do you think of that? Wow. That is, uh, that's spectacular. I mean, it's especially, I mean, the description of the roar being like a cruise ship horn. So, you know, I, it, you're not going to hear anything like that out in the wilderness, I don't think. You yeah. know, I've never heard anything like that. Yeah, and I mean, uh, I've heard this, uh, my God, I, I don't even know. I must have a dozen accounts where people referred to this roar from a Bigfoot. Uh, when they were in reasonably close quarters to it, feeling like it was going to tear the flesh from their body or mm-hmm. that it was like disrupting their organ function as these sound waves <laughs> were going through them. Wow. I mean, it's just a, a, a blast. Yeah, I, I mean, super interesting, too, that it's, you know, this Red Buttes wilderness, it, you know, it looks like it spans part of Northern California and Oregon, it's in our, you know, it has a rugged mountain range in it, and it's between the Rogue River and the, the Klamath River. You know, so it's pretty interesting, reflecting back on our last podcast, it sounds a lot like or very similar to the setting in the Bauman story, you know, where it's rugged mountains, the, the, where, where a couple of rivers come together and kind of in the middle of nowhere, if not exactly in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it's... You see this repetitive nature uh, with many of the Bigfoot encounters and sightings and where they find evidence. Uh, Now, look, we know, uh, based on the uh, Provo, Utah uh, sighting that you brought uh, up in that uh, segment of cryptids in the news, that these things can and do come near uh, uh, habitations of human beings. But Absolutely, yeah. Uh, in my own mind, I would think that most animals prefer the seclusion of the woods or the forest rather than having human contact. But who's to say? We really don't know. We're, we're postulating on every front uh, as to what these creatures do or will do or want to do. We really don't know. Yeah, and kind of related to that, um, you know, in this, uh, you know, telling of the encounter that you just went through, they also mentioned that, you know, they were surprised that the creature didn't run away. And I think we hear that all the time, you know, that it's kind of kind of gradually walks away, not like it's startled and sprinting out of the picture. Right, right. right. Now, uh, what what do you make of that? Do you think it... It really is such a monster that it does uh, think, as he was saying, that it could tear them limb from limb? Or do you think it's it's just not shocked? It's just moving away from you like, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm on my own out here today and I'm going to leave you guys where you are. Yeah, I mean, it seems to be a stealthy creature, right? So, you know, if it is a stealthy creature, then it probably sees... Uh, humans a lot more often than humans see it. Yeah. You know, so it's comfortable with uh, with what it sees. And then, you know, if it's nine feet tall, 
Uh, it's certainly close to the uh, top of the pyramid of the food chain, yeah. you know, <laughs> for yeah, yeah. its surroundings. Yeah, so, Defin- definitely you know. an apex creature. <laughs> yeah, apex predator. I, you know, I don't know if you ran into a T-Rex, if you'd see it running away from you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'd probably be running at me. <laughs> and, you know, uh, even with the creatures around my uh, house here, like the deer, the deer don't just take off when they see me. They look at me, and then if I'm really not posing a threat, they will either stay and continue doing what they're doing, or they will just casually saunter away, uh, putting some distance between themselves and me. But the only time I see them bolt is if uh, something loud happens, or if I make a sudden movement, say I go running off the deck, uh, or jumping around or clapping my hands. Then they're going to take a few leaps and disappear into the trees. you know. But other than that, uh, unless you really give them a reason, they may leave because they want to get away from you uh, or they'd rather not be near you, but they don't necessarily run. Yeah, no, absolutely. They kind of assess the situation. I think, you know, also, I think it's interesting that in in many of these uh, sightings, folks mention, and it was mentioned again in this encounter, you know, the size of the back of the creature, you know, like the, the strength of the back, you know, when they see the back of it. Right. Uh, and then also the color, you know, so it's, you know, I think, I think, I don't know. We, we always think of them as either being black or brown, but you, you know, you often hear about this red color or reddish hint, or even a pure, you know, uh, uh, reddish uh, hue to the fur. Yeah, which yeah. I think is interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know what to make of that, other than you know, people tell you what they've seen, and you have to take it at face value. I mean, Bigfoots have been sighted that are. Uh, <coughs> Uh, pardon me, folks. We're in like allergy season over here. I've got like <laughs> pollen clouds uh, floating around here, and you go outside or you open the door for a little ventilation, uh, and it feels it feels <laughs> like you're being clogged uh, with a cloud of soot, and it's all of the tree pollen and uh, grass pollens and uh, this and that. But at any rate. Uh, I've had people say that they see gray and white ones, which I don't know if that's like a, a, a birth color or it's a sign of an aged Bigfoot. Uh, Maybe, yeah. We've had people say they saw ones that were kind of blondish in color. And, uh, you know, who's to say? But they could be like human beings where we have different hair colors and appearances, you know? Certainly, certainly. <clears throat> so. Ooh. That was really bizarre. And, you know, the casual nature, once again, at which this creature was able to wrap its hand around a six-inch diameter trunk of a tree and just drag it. You know, just pull this thing along. I mean, if you and I, Kevin, were trying to manhandle that 30-foot tree... We'd probably be dragging it like we were in a tug of war, uh, pulling it, you know, a number of feet at a time and then re-grabbing it and gaining our footing and doing it again. This thing was walking along with it like it was holding a small bag of potatoes. Yeah, that's that nine-foot <laughs> size and extreme strength, right? Yeah, it's off, it's off the charts. I mean, their yeah. muscles, even their muscle uh, fibers... Uh, people say they're like uh, part of the human race or they're some type of freaky human being. I, I think they're totally wrong. Uh, no human being, no matter how you developed, has that type of muscle fiber and that strength. Right. It's like a bear. You know, when you see a bear casually walk up to a camera or, or, or a cabin and it just kind of starts leaning its paw against the door and the door busts off the hinges, <laughs> tear, tearing all of the uh, trim work and everything off. It, it, it's like it's exerting nothing, and yet it has a capability that far exceeds anything that we know. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, cool. so where are we going? 
All right. Uh, you want to go out to some listener mail. And, you know, just before we go there, you know, we love hearing from you in the listener mail. So keep that coming. But also, if you like the podcast, uh, go out there and leave a review for the podcast so that uh, we can get others turned on to it as well. So the first letter, Bill, came in from Europe, uh, from Tatiana in the Czech Republic. Wow. Uh, yeah, pretty cool. Um, I, she says, I love this new podcast, and I've read volume one of your series. Why do you think more people aren't attacked by the beast? Thank you for doing what you do. Wow. Why do you think more people aren't attacked? Well, first of all, I would say it's the luck of the draw, Tatiana. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and thanks for uh, taking the time to uh, communicate your thoughts with us. Uh, we do have a number of accounts where people have been attacked, but I don't think initially it's the purpose of this creature to attack anyone. And we saw it in this uh, particular sighting when these fellas saw it and the wife initially saw it dragging the tree and it dropped the tree and walked away. Now, I've always taken the position, and this is just me, it has no scientific basis whatsoever. I think personally, if you see a Bigfoot and walk away from it, you've had a good day. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that there's any rhyme or reason to why these uh, creatures attack or don't attack. I do think personally, if they were hungry uh, and they hadn't eaten in a while and saw you, uh, you might be on the dinner menu for that night. But who's to say? We're, we're just guessing. We have no idea. And then you have to consider also, I've thought about the fact that these creatures, like any other creature, let's look at a dog for a minute. Look at the variety of personalities in some dogs, how some of them are just such a mush lap dog, and then others, you can't even extend your finger towards them without them snarling at you and trying to snap at you. Absolutely. So yeah. what about Bigfoot? Who's to say... Some of these creatures aren't nasty SOBs, and some of them you can walk up and shake their hand if you were brave enough. I mean, I'm being silly, you know, but who's to say? Uh, I have no idea in regards to that. All right. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Uh, thank you, Tatiana. Um, and the next one comes in from Harold in Maine, back here in the good old U.S. of A., uh, WJ, what areas, in your opinion, have the most sightings? Yeah. I have seen one in Maine, but I'm not quite ready to speak about it yet. Thanks to you and Kevin. Wow. <laughs> yeah, well, so that's, well, that listen, gets to your point, too. Like, here, he's seen one, but he's not ready to talk about it yet. Yeah, well, I don't know when you're going to be ready. Maybe I can come up <laughs> there and persuade you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, just bring a little gang of hooligans up there and see if we can drag the testimonial out of you. <laughs> we'll be like the Keystone Cops piling out of a van. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, Kev, I totally forgot to question. <laughs> yeah, so, so he was <laughs> thinking about the Keystone Cops. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, he's, he's asking about what you know, where the most of the sightings are. And, we, you know, we've talked about this before, where if you look at the uh, the map, which we should put on the website, by the way, of, uh, of the Bigfoot sightings, um, a lot of them are concentrated in the northern half of North America, you know, but they do range all the way down, uh, you know, into the southern reaches, uh, quite a bit of sightings in Texas, as well, yeah. last week you spoke of the encounter in uh, Western Pennsylvania, as well, Bill. So you know, I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, well, uh, and then we have these other creatures also uh, going down into like the Florida Panhandle and Louisiana, uh, and these places. The Honey Island Swamp Monster, right. uh, the Swamp Ape in Florida. Uh, uh, many of the sightings uh, are occurring in the eastern section of the country, uh, from Maine 
uh, down through uh, the Great Lakes states, uh, Ohio, Michigan, and uh, they're just really, they're all over the place. Uh, The least are in the more dry and arid states, Uh, New Mexico, Arizona, uh, uh, Kansas, uh, some of these states that uh, don't seem to have the heavy forestation uh, or as much uh, uh, in in regards to uh, lakes and rivers. Uh, These creatures definitely... Uh, seem to be prone to hang around, and if you look at the Canadian the Canadian accounts in many of the books, now Canada is like Minnesota on steroids. They've got water, rivers, lakes, and streams uh, like it's nobody's business in Canada, and uh, there are a lot of sightings around lakes where people are fishing, or boating, or fly fishing, whatever the case may be. So, uh, but as far as the United States is concerned, the densest concentration, the densest concentration is definitely in the Pacific Northwest, particularly in the coastal regions. Right, right. Where, where the account took place today, you know, up there, Northern California, Oregon, Washington, Montana, Northern Idaho, for sure. Yeah, now, uh, uh, my friend Johnny uh, lives right out in the heart of that. Uh, and also, uh, Wes, uh, my buddy Wes from Sasquatch Chronicles, uh, these guys live right in the teeth of that. And both of them have had uh, encounters with Bigfoot. So, once again, it just proves my point that people who are seeing these things for the most part are entering into their domain. Uh, They're out there. These places are not heavily populated. uh, And they're out there doing things and blam, there it is. You know, welcome to the party. And all of a sudden, you know, now you're somebody who's experienced Bigfoot. Yeah, it's good stuff. Certainly uh, a lot of sightings in very rural places. And here in North America, you know, especially you mentioned Canada, a lot of, uh, lot of uh, rural, rural places for Bigfoot to hide out. Absolutely. Right. And, and our last uh, uh, letter this week, I hope I get the pronunciation correct. We're going to go across the Pacific Ocean to the Philippines. And uh, the note comes in from Diasado. Um, Again, I hope I got that right. It says, Dear WJ, I'm fascinated by this podcast and the things which you bring to light. I have neither seen nor heard of anything of this sort in my area of the world. Do you have any reports from Asia? Wow. Uh, We're really getting hit with a couple of curveballs here tonight, (laughs) brother. (laughs) But uh, I have not. uh, I have seen some... uh, uh, television footage and shows about the uh, uh, I'm not even sure how to pronounce it in my mind I'm thinking like the Oran Pango or something like that some little uh, monkey man uh, that's been seen uh, in those regions but maybe that's something we could dig into for uh, our cryptids in the news segment down the road uh, like yeah. we did with Reggie and the Yowie Kazawi creature down <laughs> Down under in Australia. Sure, sure. And, you know, that creature you mentioned, that's out there, you know, around the islands in the Philippines. And Diosato's saying, you know, in Asia, of course, Asia is a huge place. Right. Um, We certainly know of uh, the Yeti, of course, you know, Bigfoot's cousin, uh, uh, often uh, often cited in the Himalayas and Tibet. Um, and then, you know, again, in, a, in another episode, uh, we may talk about, you know, the theories behind this uh, great ape that, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of zoologists believe existed back, uh, you know, many, many thousands of years ago. And, uh, and uh, the idea that some of these sightings in Asia in particular may be descendants of this great ape. 
you know, that is uh, now believed to be extinct because that thing was like 10 or 12 feet tall and walked on its, uh, you know, was a bipedal like uh, like our friend, the Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I heard a gentleman being interviewed about his book a couple of years ago. Uh, very interesting. And I like this guy because he added some humor into what was an otherwise unfortunate set of circumstances that he was addressing. But he made a very good point. He said that man likes to think that we're at the top right now uh, as far as being able to uh, control uh, the animals and uh, creatures such as Bigfoot, lions and tigers and bears. But he said it wasn't until we had guns, viable guns, uh, that we can even attempt to control any of this stuff. And uh, he made a point of saying that we were in the food chain like anything else for a lot of creatures. And one of the interesting things he said was originally people who were finding skulls with holes in them were assuming that these were from battles. In other words, somebody got hit in the head with a pointed club and that's how they got the hole in their skull uh, that was found upon exhuming the skeleton. But he went on to say later discoveries uh, made uh, men like himself come to the realization that some of the holes in these people's head were from the fangs of a saber-toothed tiger mm. that caught them by the skull and popped them one, uh, killing them and eating them. So, you know, as we go forward, there's a lot of interesting stuff going on here with this, uh, the belief of this giant ape creature, huge bears that used to roam the earth and are well-known and well-documented. Uh, so there's really no end uh, to where we can go and things that we can uncover and talk about. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Well... Great episode. Uh, you know, thanks everybody for listening. Don't don't forget, please leave a review on your uh, favorite app for listening to podcasts. That's right. And for all of our listeners, I leave you once again with a sobering reminder. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>